Thank you. Well, actually, for the first few weeks, I was out with the cross and street evangelizing. Actually, last week, I was on the motorbike in Devon and Cornwall. So, uh, but I, I still had the opportunity because um, I, uh, I left one campsite having um, stayed the night, and this guy kept on coming up to me, asking me questions about my motorbike and telling me about his motorbike. And I left thinking, oh, I didn't tell him anything about Jesus, even though my sabbatical is about evangelism. I didn't give him a tract or anything. And I left feeling really bad. And I got to another campsite. And, uh, and that evening, the campsite owner locks the campsite. It's a small campsite. He locks it if everyone's in and safe. And he locks it. And, um, and someone turned up with a massive motorhome. And he said, can you help me? He was, I think he was Spanish. He spoke little English, but basically... He needed help. He needed to get into the campsite and find help for his van that wasn't working properly. And um, uh, I said, well, I can't let you in, but I can, I can ring the, um, the campsite owner who lives just around the corner, and he can come and help you out. And so the campsite owner came and helped this man out. And it turns out he couldn't turn off his motorhome, his mobile home, because he, his alternator had broken. So his battery was flat. So if he stopped the engine... It wouldn't have been able to start it again. And the next day, the campsite owner came and found me and said, oh, just to let you know, you did a really good deed. Uh, and I think, I think you were meant to do that good deed because the man we were able to help out was called Jesus. His name, his name was Jesus. And he said, so I think there's a sign in that for you, talking to me. And later on, I went, ah, there's my cue. I can go back and say, actually, that sign was for you as well. Um, and I took a tract, and I was about to explain. He wasn't there. The campsite owner had gone when I was just about to leave, so I just left him a God Loves You tract on his, uh, on his desk. And hopefully he saw that as a sign um, from God as well, that he'd helped out Jesus. Okay, um, right. Now this is a youth service, and last time we were encouraging our young people to make notes, weren't we? There's no £10 notes on the board this time. You don't get 10 quid every time you bring your Bible. All right. But, uh, Noah, have you made any notes in your Bible since making those original notes? No, we appreciate your honesty. Why is that? Oh, don't add to this. Yeah. All right. There you go. Noah, for being here as a youth today, because we haven't got many youth here. So, any other youth? There we go, guys. Hi, Eddie. Hi. Okay. Got one as well? All right. Now, you haven't got your Bibles either. Have you got Bibles at home? Yeah. Yeah? you got Bibles at home. Okay. Any other youth am I missing? All right. All right. So, uh, can we have the PowerPoint up, please? Please, Simon. Simon's doing a good job. He's doing a busy job today. Last time we were encouraging adults as well, but our young people, to begin to show their workings out in their Bible. Now, next slide. Okay, bonus chocolate, Noah. All you guys at the back there. Who's that? Who's that? Famous chap there. Spurgeon, it was, wasn't it? Charles Spurgeon. Now, he was one, probably one of the famous and best preachers 
in uh, the 1800s. But what did Charles Spurgeon say? Can you remember from last time, what did Charles Spurgeon encourage about our Bible? Yes, read a lot of books, but read, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Meaning that the Bible is where you should keep coming back to on a regular basis, just like you live in your home on a regular basis. You, keep, you might read many good books, but actually you should live in your Bible. And if you live in your Bible, just like there's evidence of you all over your bedroom, I'm guessing, is that correct? There's evidence of you all over your bedroom. Well, there should be, if you live in your Bible, there should be evidence of you in your Bible. That's my suggestion. Now, probably not as, there's the next picture, probably not as much as that, maybe. That is a well-lived-in Bible there, isn't it? All sorts of notes. Now, I said before that when you do a maths exam, sometimes they ask you to include your workings out so they know how you got there. Well, in the Bible, if you're putting notes in your Bible, if you live in your Bible, there's going to be workings out. Evidence of you working out things out with the Holy Spirit as you read the Bible. Remember, complaining about God being silent is, complain, is, a, is like complaining about your phone that you've got no text messages when it's off. You know, there's no point looking at your phone that's off and saying, I've got no text messages. There's no point looking at your Bible and not opening up and saying, God doesn't speak to me. Okay? If you want God to speak to you, live in your Bible and he will speak to you. All right. Now... I wanted to help us continue on our journey of making notes. Actually, young people at the back, here are a couple of pencils and a notepad. Noah's got one as well because you can make notes in this and then, if you haven't bought your Bibles, you can go home and transfer your notes into, into your Bibles. Okay, and for... Adults as well. How many here make notes in their Bibles? Do you make notes in your Bibles? Anyone started from last time? Anyone made notes for the first time? No? Well, maybe I encourage you today to begin showing your workings out. Now, I want us to turn to one passage that hopefully helps you to make the Scriptures more your own. Sometimes it's good to actually make the Scriptures more your own. All right? So... Turn in your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen as well, but turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 12, sorry, 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Right, Deuteronomy 10. Let me get my pen out. Right, now, I've included here three translations. Noah, do you know what translation your Bible is at home? Good news, okay. Good news translation. And sometimes other youth Bibles are the NCV, which is the New Century version, okay. And also my Bible is the NIV, the New International Version. So I've included the three different versions up there because they're slightly worded differently. It says here, Let's read from the good news for for Noah's benefit. It says, Now, people of Israel, listen to what the Lord your God demands of you. Worship the Lord and do all that he commands. Love him, serve him with 
all your heart. Now, have I got another picture? Have I got another picture up there of my Bible? Yeah. Can you see what I've done in my Bible? From the NIV, this is how my working's out. One day when I read that scripture, I wrote up the top there, what does God ask of me? Or what does God ask of you? And I've answered, fear him, obey him, love him, serve him with all my heart and soul. So if we go back to the previous screen, please. If we're writing from the good news version, what kind of notes would you make in your Bible? Well, it says, listen to what the Lord God demands of you. So you might want to write something like in your notes right now and then transfer it into your Bible later. Uh, What does the Lord demand of me, question mark, or you, and then answer is, what's the answer from the Good News Translation? Worship, so worship him, worship him, and the next one is do, sorry, do all that he commands, which I would translate as obey him. Worship him, obey him, love him, love him, serve him. And then I've put one of those. What's that called? A bracket. Was was it a parenthesis? What's the posh name? Parenthesis? Is that something else? Parenthesis? No? Squiggly thing. I've put one of those brackety squigglety things. And then for the good news, I would have put with all my heart. Okay? So that's my workings out from that scripture up there. And if it was the NCV, you'd put respect him, obey him. Love him and serve him with all my being. It all means the same, really, doesn't it? But that's my workings out, my understanding of that scripture to, for me to visually see what it means to me and what God is saying to me. What does the Lord demand of me? Well, worship him, obey him, love him, serve him with all my heart. Noah, it's good to see you making notes there. At the back, are you making notes too, guys? Yeah? Okay. May I encourage you when you go back, and that's in, you want to make a note of that, so that's in Deuteronomy 10, 12, so that when you go back to your Bible, you can look up in your Bibles and make a note somewhere. Oh, if we go to the the next picture in my Bible, to the next slide, you'll notice that Next to the bit where it very starts, what does, I've put a star. Okay? Now, last time we learnt that if you want to make a note and then find a space to make the note, you put the shape, whatever you choose, I put a star next to the verse, and then where there's a space to make my notes, I then put that same shape again, and then I write my notes. Because you might have more notes on the same page, so you might use a triangle next to another verse and then put that same triangle somewhere else where there's a space and make your note. 
Okay, so you know that a star is for the star, and a triangle refers to the triangle. Okay, so God demands of me or asks of me in the NIV, fear him, obey him, love him, serve him with all my heart and soul, or in that version, with all my heart. Now, I wanted to learn something this morning of how we can do something to serve him, obey him, love him with all our hearts. It's one simple thing that we can do on a weekly basis that fulfills his demand, his requirement of me. Just one thing, not loads of things, but just one thing. So, let's actually, before I do that, the next verse adds something to this. If we go to Deuteronomy 10, 13, so the next verse, you've just read 12. 13 says, in the good news, and obey his, all his laws, I am giving them to you for your benefit. So God says that I want you to do this. And when you do, you are doing it for your benefit. The NRV says for my own good or for your own good in the NCV. So you could add, if you've got space, have I got my Britney Spears thing on wrong? Is it just my ears have shrunk? Have my ears shrunk over the week? It feels a bit loose. Okay. So you could add... Okay. Oh, there we go. For my own good. Okay. You might want to add that to your notes. What does the Lord demand of me? Worship him, obey him, love him, serve him with all my heart for my own good or for my own benefit. Okay, so let's go to see something that we can do that does all these things for our own good. Okay, let's turn to um, Genesis chapter 2, right in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. It's what God says about the seventh day. Interestingly, how come we have a seven-day week? Why is it that we have seven days in a week? Do you know? Any ideas? Well, basically, because God said there's seven days in a week. That's why we have a seven-day week. Not every country has a seven-day week. Did you know that? Not everywhere in the world has a seven-day week. The Russians tried a four-day week. And then a six-day week, just so they could get rid of the seventh day, because they didn't want to be Christians. They wanted to kind of like stop this religious nonsense. So they actually got rid of seven days and turned it into four days, then six days. They've gone back to seven days because they realised it works best. You know, God's not silly when He decided to make a seven-day week. Okay, so let's go to where God created the seven-day week. Genesis chapter two. Verse 2. And it's on the screen. Which one should we read from? The New Century Version? It says, By the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So he rested from all his work 
God blessed the seventh day and made it a holy day. Because on that day, he rested from all the work he had done in creating the world. Now, can you underline in your Bibles the word blessed and the word holy? Or, if you've got the good news, the word blessed and the word special. Or the NCV is blessed and holy. Okay, so it's blessed. It's blessed and it's holy. Or if you've got the good news, it's special. Okay, underline those two words. Blessed and holy or blessed and special. All right, now choose a shape next to that verse in verse 2, or 2 and 3. Choose a shape. Say, my preferred shape to begin with. It's just a star. You can have a square. You, Noah, last time, Noah, um, uh, Graham last time, chose a really random shape that he had to then reproduce <laughs> again in the space. But underline those words, then choose a shape and... The note that I've got in my Bible is, okay, uh, I don't think I've got it on the screen. My note is, the seventh day is blessed. The seventh day is blessed. So, those that keep it Enjoy its blessing. That's the notes that I've made anyway. The seventh day is blessed, so those that keep it enjoy its blessing. Did you realize that? That one day a week is blessed by God. It's blessed for special purpose. And those that keep it enjoy that blessing. The seventh day is blessed, so those that keep it enjoy its blessing. Can anyone name the seven days of the week in a different language? Okay, French. There's a German there. Santa, yeah. Yeah, so some German. Spanish as well? Yeah, good. Any other languages? We've got ones local to us, this country. Any other further away languages? Seven day? <laughs> oh, thank you. Yorkshire. Brilliant. All right. Okay. Well, we've got names for every day of the week, haven't we? Whereas, did you know that the Jewish people, in the Hebrew people in those days and still today, they only have one day a week that gets a name. Their, their weeks, their, the days of the week are day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, Sabbath. There's only one day that has a name, and that's the Sabbath, the seventh day, or Shabbat, 
as it's pronounced. Never knew that. No, I didn't know that either until Easter. Isn't that amazing? So they have day one, day two, and then they have Sabbath or the seventh day. Okay? Now, what does keeping the seventh day, the seventh day is blessed, there we go. What does keeping the seventh day holy look like to God? Whatever you call it, Sunday, Dimanche, what was the Sontag, or the Sabbath, yeah, Sabado, okay? Whatever you call it, what does it look like to keep it holy? Okay, rest. Yeah. God went on strike. Stopped his work. That's it. I've done everything I need to do now on six days. This seventh day. Why don't we just have a six-day week? Why didn't he stop at six? Because hmm? he hadn't finished? Well, it says he had finished from all his work, didn't it? So why have an extra day, a bonus day, unless it was something very important, something very special, okay? All right, we'll find out. Turn to Exodus 20, because keeping the seventh day, this special rest day that's supposed to be holy is so important, it made it into God's top ten commandments. Okay, the Ten Commandments. There were extra laws that he made for the Israelite people, but these Ten Commandments he made for the world. Everyone will be judged by these Ten Commandments, these Ten Moral Standards of a relationship with God and a relationship with people. Okay, so let's turn to the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Make a note, young people, Exodus chapter 20. All right. Now, here's something you may have already done in your Bibles, but you might not have done if we turn to the next picture. There we go. Can you see what I've done in my Bible? In Exodus 20, next to each commandment, I've put the number. So that when you refer to it, you can easily see the Ten Commandments. Just as a glance, there's number one, there's number two, there's number three. Okay? So, young people, make a note of these numbers going down, down your page. Are you ready? Three, four, yeah, make a note going down the page. Three, four, seven, eight, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Okay? Those are the verses. And then, next to those verses, you can write 1 down to 10 for the commandments. So in verse 3, that's commandment number 1. So next to the numbers you just wrote down the line, Right next to them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like I've done in my Bible, verse seven is commandment number three. Verse eight is commandment 
number four. These are just things that help you read your Bible and refer to them later on. Okay? Now that you've done that, which number commandment is the Sabbath mentioned? Number four. Yeah? Have we got uh, the next slide? Number four. I've just put two down, NIV and good news. So the good news says, observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. On that day, no one is to work. Neither you, your children, your slaves, your animals, nor the foreigners who live in your country. In six days, I, the Lord, made the earth, the sky, the seas, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, I rested. That is why I, the Lord, blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Okay? Now, can you underline... The one lines here. So rest dedicated to me. So rest. Rest dedicated to me. Underline that as in rest dedicated to God. And no one is to work. These are the two things that make the Sabbath holy, special. The two things that God wants you to do in the Sabbath. One is rest dedicated to me. And the other one is no one is to work. Or if you've got the NIV, underline Sabbath to the Lord and not do any work. Okay. Now, the, the notes that I have made in my Bible, if you wanted to copy them, you can. Okay. Next to this verse or these verses, okay, I've put my shape and I've come up with this understanding. We're running out, whoop, we're running out of space. We'll... We'll turn over. Ooh. All right. Okay. Now, next to that special commandment about rest dedicated to God and no one is to work, I've written this. Sabbath equals... Okay. No work No work, no God. A funny play on words. No work and knowing God. That's what Sabbath might mean to you from that understanding there. Or Sabbath could mean Rest 
without work and okay rest without work and rest with god so you're resting without work but you're resting with god it's important God makes it clear Sabbath is for two of these things, not just one of these things, two of these things. Knowing no work, but knowing God. Resting from work, but resting with God. Okay? It's not just a day of physical rest. It's resting to God, towards God, with God. Okay? Nor is it a day when you're with God, but still being busy. You need both. Stopping from the work, but also stopping with God. Do you understand? Okay, that's what makes the Sabbath holy. So if you did want to, you can make those two notes in your Bible. No work, but knowing God. Rest without work and resting with God. Okay? We're not designed to be on the go all the time. You can try, and some people do, but God didn't make you that way, okay? We're made in the image of God, the Bible says. And if you see the next slide, you don't have to make a note of this one, but on the next slide, in Exodus, it says this, the Sabbath will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Have you ever read that before? That's in the NIV version. God was refreshed. Did you ever think about that? That actually God would be refreshed from resting? If God can be refreshed from resting, do you reckon you need to be refreshed from resting? Okay. Seven years, I know it was seven years ago because that was when my last sabbatical happened. Our dog, Happy, got injured. Our son, I was away, and our son was riding his bike with Happy running alongside, which she loved to do, going for a walk, when a dog came out of another house, which made Happy run in front of my son's bike. And my son ran into her and injured our dog. And uh, she went to the emergency vets, and then she had scans, and it cost thousands, thankfully we were insured. But she had loads of scans, and they couldn't find anything, but she limped for about a year and a half, 18 months, not all the time, but as soon as she ran, she developed this limp again and be limping around. And this, would say, went on for about a year and a half. They knew no injuries apparent, but there was a problem there. And then I had this thought, you know, we have Sabbath. God says even animals need to rest. Um, so we'll give Happy a day off walking. One day a week, Happy will have a Sabbath where she won't go for a walk. And within three weeks or so, no more limping forever. You know, ever since then, she's, she's 12 years old now. Okay? And she hasn't had a limp since, since then, since we started to give her just one day off a week from walking, going for a long walk. So there is wisdom in the physical rest part of the Sabbath. Okay? But it's not just about resting, is it? It's about resting to God and with God, okay? If God felt refreshed after the Sabbath, if you don't feel refreshed after your Sabbath, you're probably doing it wrong, okay? 
If you don't feel refreshed after your Sabbath, then you're probably doing it a bit wrong, maybe. Okay? Something to think about. Now, the second part of the importance of the Sabbath is just as important, and that's not just stopping work, but that's being with God, resting with God. Because the Sabbath, God created it for you. Did you know that? He rested from his works, but then later on Jesus came along and said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. So God purposely made this extra seventh day with you in mind. One day you'd be able to open up the Sabbath, the Sunday, once a week and share it with God as a gift from God and then you spend it with him some of that gift with him each week okay finally we'll finish we'll finish here so apart from resting from work does god give you any instruction in the bible as to what you should do on the seventh day apart from doing no work does he give you any suggestion of what he wants you to do that we could hear and obey okay leviticus 23 3 make a note of leviticus 23 3 is coming up on the screen. It says this. There are six days when you may work, but on the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, which we already know, don't we? But then it says, a day of sacred assembly. All right? So the seventh day isn't just designed for you to stop work and rest in God and be with God. It's also a day designed for a sacred assembly. Or in the good news, it says, gather for worship. Or in the NCV, it says, a holy meeting. Okay? That's one of the things God requires of us on the seventh day. A sacred assembly, a gather for worship, or a holy meeting. Do you have an assembly at school, Noah? Yeah? What happens in your assembly? What does everyone do? Okay, so you gather into one place and you sit down and you listen to the teacher. Is that what happens in your school as well at the back? An assembly? Yeah? What do you think would happen if you thought to yourself, I'm not going to assemble in the assembly. I'm going to assemble just with myself in the classroom. And the head teacher was walking past and saw you in the classroom and said, why aren't you in assembly? And you said, well, I thought I'd just assemble here. What do you think your head teacher would say? Yeah, have a detention and get yourself in the assembly. Okay? An assembly means, or an assemble means, to gather together as, as one in one place. All right? So, part of our Sabbath, or our Sunday... God says, I want you to gather together in one place. A holy assembly. A special gathering. Okay? So, if you've got your Bibles, underline sacred assembly or gather for worship or a holy meeting. Okay? That's one of the things God requires of us on a Sunday. To stop work, spend it with him, and be part of a holy assembly okay last screen 
Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to the synagogue every Sabbath, and now he says to his church, now the Sabbath then falls on our Saturday. Jesus rose on Sunday, and the church later on adopted Sunday as our seventh day, not the Saturday, but the Sunday as our Sabbath. And Jesus now calls his church, as was his custom, to gather on a Sunday as a holy assembly, as part of our Sabbath. Okay. Uh, finally, very quickly, just one more, one more note for you to make. Uh, turn to Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 8. Whoa, what you got there, Joshua? Holy Spirit fire, Pentecost fire, well done. All right. All right. Okay. Matthew, Matthew 12, 8 says... Uh, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? So my note in my Bible is... Oh, here they come. Oh, you got candles, flickering candles in the middle. Well done. My note is, if Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, then how does that affect how I treat the Sabbath? If, if the Lord Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, then how does that affect how I treat the Sabbath? There we go, guys. What do I love? Any more? Jamie? Do you get one, Josh? You got one? I want, I want one. Oh, you want one? Okay. <laughs> Have your own one. Well done. You're welcome. Huh. Okay, yeah, more. Didn't spot you guys as well. If Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, then how does that affect how I... Treat the Sabbath. Well done. Okay. Back to Simon. There's 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 more notes that we didn't get through, but they'll be circulated for you, and uh, your parents can show you by email if you need them.